podcast today we have david mccormick john Nagimi, and myself michael adams we're back at it welcome everyone once again hello 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 can we acknowledge with everyone listening how underrated the movie megamind is it's so good i don't think we have it really is phenomenal yeah it's always a great joy to find people who love it i told you there was a guy on the 30 day from Arlington, Virginia, who like, I said something, oh, it was, there's a spider in the kayak. And I said, spider. And he immediately followed the rest of the line. It's like the single bite from Arachnus Jethicus were instantly paralyzed. And it kept going. It was, I was like, I love you. You, you know, you know the way to my heart. That is great. I, Cause like, it's, it wasn't a super, I remember when it came out when I was a kid, but I didn't watch it until probably two or three years ago. I'd never seen it before. Like I didn't watch it like when I was younger. And I was watching it. I think it was, oh, it was the, I was working camps and the power went out. So we all got sent home because like the AC needed to be on for some of our campers. And so we got, and I was like, didn't have anything to do. I was like, I guess I'll watch Megamind. And it was like, it, I was watching, I was just like floored at how good of a movie it was. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Got a great cast too. I mean, I think you're starting to see some more memes pop up with it though a little bit. You do. It's, it's showed up a little bit more recently. Yeah, like uh, all the animated movies was a, all of them proved to be pivotal moments in my like growth and friendship with John. There are a couple of movies that John and I watched together that were animated and I was like, this was the turning point of our friendship, honestly. Can I get a couple examples? What did we watch? We only watched Meet the Robinsons. I know, but it just- That's a good one. That like, that, like inst- that instilled our love of like animated movies where we knew each other loved animated movies. And True, then, uh, yeah. It was a Saturday afternoon in February, and we bought quarts of ice cream. Yeah. We each bought a quart of ice cream and ate it, and then realized about like an hour in the movie, it's like, well, we're definitely not going to eat all of this, and I don't have a freezer. <laughs> just melting ice cream. It was like, oh, I'll just put it in there anyway. It'll be fine. It's like, no, this is disgusting. I had to throw it. It's not thought through at all. Have you guys watched um, Mr. Peabody and Sherman? We've not. Underrated movie, I would just say. I watched it twice. Underrated movie. I have not seen Captain Underpants. I enjoyed the books. Angry Birds 1 and 2, very underrated movies. Oh, I know. I haven't watched those either, but I know how much you enjoy your Angry Birds. Amazing. So good. Saturday afternoon to watch those, David. I haven't seen them either. I would be down because yeah, for anyone who's listening, if you want to know the key to John's heart, it's the mighty eagle from it's just bird humor in general. I don't know why, but me and my oldest brother have a weird thing for bird humor. It's really stupid, but we love it. Okay, this is related, but also like kind of weird because um, senior year, Scurry and I just decided to make like a weird inside joke just for some random reason, and the weird inside joke that we decided to land on were bird memes. <laughs> like there was nothing funny about them. We would send them to each other. It was just purely to birds. We're like, we're just gonna go with this. It's just gonna become funny the more that we do it. And it became funny. Even though birds aren't real, it's still really funny. How dare you? Birds are very real. Don't ever birds say that. Birds are not real. No, all right. Well, this has been a good podcast. Uh, Wait, like really quickly, <laughs> really quickly, really quickly. The last thing about birds aren't real. When uh, I remember, I think it was you, John, um, when you were all in DC for the March for Life, during the government shutdown. I, I want to say it was you, but I could be wrong. You, it was you or someone else came back and was like, 
um, well, David, like, you know, if the government shut down, why were there still birds? And I was like, yeah, because you were in D.C. I didn't have to think about it. I was like, oh, this works out perfectly. I'm like, yeah, because you were in D.C. Obviously, they all went home. It makes sense during the government shutdown. I don't know if that was you or not, John. I feel like it I, was, I was never into the whole birds aren't real thing. Exactly. It was someone who was against it, though. Yeah, I don't think it was me. Oh. Well, I anyway. Think, yeah, I don't, at least I don't remember saying it. Anyway, it I was pretty smug at the time, but yeah. Birds are great. Mighty Eagles landed. Mighty Eagle actually is, a, I don't think he's the number one bird, animated bird. It has to go to Vlad, Mr. Vladikov from Horton Hears a Who. I watched that movie in theaters. I was like eight. I do not remember it. I saw it when I was in the theaters. It was, f- it was hilarious. It was very funny. It's a very good movie as well. It is. That was the one I want to say <laughs> Blanca got stuck in a movie. For those who know that oh, I heard about movie. this. That's amazing. She got stuck in one of the seats. She was like climbing on her backwards. She was like three years old and she got stuck in one of the seats. So yeah, I might've missed some of that movie. It's, yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's like one scene, but it's pure gold. It's his lines, his body movement. Like my brother will do it to me occasionally. It's Could you, could you find that and send it to us? There's no clips of it on YouTube. We have looked, no. but no one shares the same like enthusiasm for the freaking vulture from Horton Hears a Who. So no one has made a video of it, and it's really frustrating. It's the most niche subreddit of all. It time really, yeah, no, honestly, <laughs> yeah, Probably, yeah. Anyways, so there's that. Um, currently, I'm sitting in a room that is known as the office of the third floor, where it's just a solitary desk in an empty room that will soon become one of the housing rooms of the retreat house. But across from me, we added something. It is a table of two bins full of Legos. So this is now the Lego room. It's very impressive. They were brought by none other than a 25-year-old grown-ass man who carries Legos with him wherever he goes. And he's very proud of it. Do you get a play in case restricted? No, you can, anyone is welcome to play with them as long as you don't mess with what is already being built. Like, does he carry them with him, like, on the off In his that, like... gangster van that is about to fall apart named Beth. He okay, my theory, my theory is, is that he's planning for one day he's to get to a bridge and the bridge is going to be up. And he's like, I've been winning my whole life. Master builder, build go. Master builder, exactly. He's going to make it out of Legos and then we're all going to feel like fools. But that day, sadly, will never come. And I don't think a Lego bridge would be structurally sound, unfortunately. Oh, it might be. It might be. Are you a civil engineer, David? No, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me oh. ask you your question with another question. Yeah, we all we know is civil engineers build bridges. Well, no, he's a seminarian, um, so I don't think that is uh, in his game plan. I think he just is weird, <laughs> like most seminarians. He's got Legos. I've got birds. He's got Legos. We're all a little weird. Everyone has their thing. 49% weird is the acceptable limit of weirdness. You have 50%. I don't know what happens to you, but uh, it's not good. No point. I've heard stories. I think that's fair. Forty-nine percent. It's a generous amount of weirdness. I was gonna say, if you're over like thirty-eight, I would call that like the red zone. <laughs> the like, red zone. You got to start taking a long look at your life. <laughs> Although I probably should not be talking. Dude, I'm not even kidding. I think they're like mating in here. There are more flies. Okay, I was like, you really need to give me a context. An context. <laughs> <laughs> I killed two of them. Now there's a little one. There's a little baby one. Oh, gosh. That was kick. Congrats to the uh, army fly for that one. 
Anyways. Gosh, I'm so mad at them. Um, what else has happened? Nothing. Not much. Well, oh, gosh. John, what's our topic? That's a great question, David. So, um, I don't remember if I talked about this on the other podcasts, but when I was on the 30-day silent retreat, I had a lot of time to read. Um, so, because I was going to bed at like 9 o'clock. And that's right. That's an appropriate expression, David. Mouth yeah. totally agape. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. I was reading. And I started reading The Brothers Karamazov, which is by... Fyodor Dostoevsky, it's a Russian. It's a very long book, um, but there's a chapter in it where there's this um, elder in the, one of the monasteries and he's meeting with some people who have come to visit and he's talking to them. He's got this great line. He says, above all, avoid lies, all lies, especially the lie to yourself. And I was reading that and it really struck me because before I went on my silent retreat, my spiritual director had told me something in confession. He said, John, stop lying. Don't do it. Like that was his only thing. Of all the other stuff I had said, I was like, oh, I told like a white lie or something. And everything else was kind of like whatever, but it was that thing. He was like, don't do that. Like that, like that was the worst thing I could have been like. His tone was so serious. He was like, don't do that anymore. Um, and it really struck me because like no priest ever, anytime I've talked about lying, has ever called me out for it. They're always like, oh, that other thing was way worse. I'm like, oh, okay, probably. Um, but this priest was like, no, that's bad. And I started, I, I thought about it more and I was reading. Um, I kind of like realized, especially on the retreat, like, oh yeah, like that was something the Lord made abundantly clear to me, meditating uh, on your sins as you do on the Ignatian exercises that like lying offends a person because it offends the truth. And the truth is the person of Jesus Christ, who's God. So I was like, your offense against truth is an offense against the person of Jesus. And I was like, Oh boy, that's not good. <laughs> um, and there's some really like vivid imagery and things that came out of that. That was really convicting for me. So this line, when I read it really stuck out. Um, and I think it's really important because um, there was a book I read the other year in spiritual year called like the 10 biggest lies or something like that of the enemy. And that's really it, right? Like we always talk about like the devil is like the prince of lies. And he lies to us all the time. And then we start to believe a lot of those lies that he tells us. And we kind of like let them sink in and become like a sort of truth. So we operate out of them as if they were true. And there's really nothing strange about them anymore. They become totally normalized. And our lives get really miserable really quickly. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to like talk about the, uh, the experience of lying to yourself um, and how that kind of like warps our perception of others, ourselves, and God. So basically, like, how does that ruin and affect our relationships with those three uh, categories? And then what can we do um, to like kind of check that a little bit? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I have a lot of experience with lying to myself. I don't know about you guys, but it seems like a common thing. Yeah, I have some maybe just a little i don't want to get into it but yeah we have struggled with that before i'm interested to see kind of where we take this one just because 
I think, again, like you said, when you first start going to confession, like as a little kid, and it's like maybe like in second grade or whatever it is, and it's like, well, like I lied to my parents or I lied to like so-and-so. And like, I think we have this inclination to belittle lying because it seems like an adolescent or like a little kid action. You don't think of it being like, you know, that big of a deal. Because it's not like, you know, in the grand scheme of it, it doesn't seem as like in your face bad as some of the other things that happen typically as you get older. But conversely, that's a very dangerous thing to just get complacent about any sin, no matter what the sin is. And I think, yeah, it's kind of easy to fall into complacency when it comes to lying to being like, oh, like whatever, it's not that big a deal. It's a white lie. It didn't really do any damage, but. Yeah, Michael, I was thinking that exact same thing, actually, as John was talking. I was thinking like, yeah, like when I remember when I used to go to confession, I was a kid and I would confess something that I lied about this. And I remember oh, a while ago I went to confession and I remember thinking about that being like, do I seriously have to say that? Like, is the priest going to be like, wow, you're like four years old, like confessing, like lying to your friend. You went to and confession at four years old? <laughs> no, like a four-year-old. John. Oh. <laughs> John, I was just, John, I sinned very quickly. So someone had it's to like, get holy sugar. No, um, but yeah, then a lot of times not realizing um, that the, um, yeah, just sometimes like that is very important and it's an action that carries a lot of weight. And I think something that like, yeah, I'm just kind of interested to see um, a little bit about what you think about that, that like what type of weight does it have and how can we kind of like belittle it as we get older? Yeah, I think at least my experience of lying, uh, especially like in terms of like lying to yourself, it is a, it's like akin to putting shackles that um, go around your ankles. And then there's a chain that goes up around like your neck. So as you walk and you're kind of like, you're kind of hunched over um, and you can't really like, you kind of walk like an idiot. Um, and it's really uncomfortable. And it has the effect of, oh shoot, whose gospel is it? I don't know. But there's a hunched over woman at some point in the gospels. I don't know where it is. Um, but it's like you're you're hunched over, and the experience is if you don't reject the lie and let Jesus speak the truth into your life, a lot of times we just sort of like self will it of being like, no, like this is really who I am. It's kind of like that. Like uh, it's still June, so I can still say this, <laughs> but like it's. Um, like the be proud of who you are kind of thing. Like just really like speak, speak it out, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Michael. Um, <laughs> it's a very insulting dig anyway. Um, but it's this sort of like, just be proud of who you are and like, that'll fix all your problems. You know, just like think good thoughts about yourself and you'll be fine. That's the sort of self will of like, if I just change what I think about myself, I'll be great. And then you sort of strain your neck up and you're, you're pulling and it's like the, the, the chain is yanking with all its might to pull you back down. And eventually you just, you just give out because you don't have that much strength to really do that because we're weak humans. Um, and then that's it, that, that like whiplash of coming back down into position of where the chains keep you. That is the kind of that experience of like despair and like, I'm horrible and everything is awful. My life is garbage. People hate me. Um, just in this example you know hypothetically if that's what you think um but like that could it's that really deep despair that comes from collapsing in on yourself from your own strength um 
So I think that's what that looks like a lot of the times. At least what that's been the, my experience. Sorry, what did like the chain symbolize? That's what the lie is. Oh, okay. You believing the lie is you basically putting shackles on yourself. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I know like something I learned <clears throat> about myself is that, yeah, I am really good at rationalizing. And I think most humans are. And then if you if we give ourselves enough time and energy, and also it doesn't really take much, we can rationalize almost anything to ourselves. That's kind of almost a scary thought of like when I yeah was talking to I'm a priest about, it and he's like, yeah, like if you think about, it, you could probably rationalize most things to yourself if you really tried. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then like what happens with that? Even if it starts out small, and that's like most often where it does is like more often than not, you are then are starting to set the rules saying like the, you know, the, you know, like, I believe that Christ wants me to be this way. I want to live to, you know, be closer to him. I want to live, you know, living out these morals. However, this was different because of this. And I am an exception. And it's not saying that everything is black and white, but more often than that, it's a very slippery slope when you start to do that. Um, and I think that's why a lot of times it, you know, it can be helpful to, Sometimes just be brutally honest with yourself, talking to someone you know who is going to be brutally honest with you. But yeah, I really like that metaphor, John, that yeah, it's kind of like it's it's weighing us down and trying to get ourselves out of it just by hyping ourselves up, yeah, like that, that's not going to be sustainable. Michael, it's okay, you don't have to cry. I was about to say Michael's tearing up over there. Yeah, I guess right now is just going after me just allergies not crying (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think um well michael you have anything to add you want to say go for it go for it okay um yeah david i like what you said because it 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 harkens to this idea like your life kind of becomes about you we all know as our great friend Macbeth would always say to us, it's not about you. Which is kind of like, I remember in college, he would say that to me, he'd be like, you know what? You, man, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> like, get off your high horse. And as I have grown, I have realized how right he was, um, especially on retreat, because St. Ignatius has this great thing in the very beginning of the exercises called the principle and foundation, first principle and foundation. The first line is this, God created human beings to praise reverence and serve God and by doing this to save their souls none of that is about me but it's all about God God has created me so my life has been given to me and my life is oriented towards the praise the reverence and the service of God none of that has anything to do with me yeah John can you say that one more time yeah God created human beings to praise reverence and serve God, and by doing this, to save their souls. So in living a life that's not about me, I end up saving myself. Versus living a life for myself, there's no way to save myself, because that's not where salvation comes from. And what I think happens is with the lying to ourself thing, is that we are rejecting this fundamental principle foundation that my life is not about me. And we're saying, no, my life is about me. And I kind of set the terms for it, like you said, David. So the remedy, it seems like, is to enter into prayer where we let ourselves be seen by God 
and come to understand how he sees us. And we come to learn the truth through someone else about ourselves and not the truth that we've made up for ourselves. Cause it's like, okay, I've believed this lie about myself. that The devil has slipped in maybe with a bit of truth, right? Cause he's probably saying like, you're weak. And it's like, oh yeah, I am, which is true. We are. But then it's like, and this is the effect of that versus Christ saying like, you're weak and I love you. And it's like, Ooh, that's different. You know? Um, which is funny. I was having a conversation with Katie the other day and it was like, we were talking about this when people like believe things about themselves that are just absurd and really cruel. And they really hold on to them as if like, that's really like, that yeah, makes perfect sense. And it's like, what the beep? You know, like it doesn't make any sense. In what world would it make sense that like everyone hates me, I'm horrible and all this stuff. Like I'm never going to have this in my life, whatever. Versus like, oh no, there's goodness in me. I'm loved and people care about me. Like that sounds a heck of a lot better. And like, wouldn't you think that you would gravitate towards that versus like garbage? I don't know about you. Like I was just cleaning out a pantry of garbage today. And like, I did not want to go near the stuff that smelled bad. I wanted to go towards the stuff that smelled good, i.e. the chewy bars, the oatmeal raisin chewy bars. Oh, they're the best ones. The, they are the best ones. Thank you for that. And, yeah, anyways. But it's like, we, whatever reason, we find it really easy to gravitate towards this cruel, unreasonable like nonsense that gets like sprinkled into our lives by the enemy. And Judd, I really like how you used the chain metaphor because a lot of times we feel like it's not coming from a place of freedom that we feel like we are lying to ourselves because we feel like we have to. And even just looking back, um, you know, at one of the gospel readings, we think about right when John the Baptist was killed, right? King Herod from, I know Father Lucas gave a really good homily on this back in uh, September. It was like, it's almost seemed like King Herod did not want to kill John the Baptist. It seems like he was meeting up with him a lot. It seemed like he had a lot of respect and he was put into a situation where he he basically almost said to himself, like, I have no choice. I have to do this, which is exactly like, how often do we sell or say to ourselves? Like, yeah, I, I had no choice. Like I have to do this. And that's why, that's how we can rationalize the lie. And the reality is, is that Herod was putting way, he, all of, you know, all of his trust, all of his worth was put into the opinions of others. And that's why that seemed like the only option out. So a lot of times I, I found, and you talked about ways and obviously I'm still trying to grow in this immensely, but a lot of times when we say to ourselves, I had no choice to like, where was your worth or where was your attention and your focus and everything, all the importance you were putting, where was it when that decision was being made? Because more often than not, we were not taking that to God. We were taking it somewhere else. And that's why the answer or the action that we did was wrong. Yeah. I think it's important to clarify too. There are instances in our lives where we, our choice is severely mitigated and even taken yeah. away like those those moments do happen um we have to acknowledge that so we don't like become unreasonably cruel with ourselves and others yeah no that that's fair yeah the the more important i'm talking about more a lot more often is the is the day-to-day smaller decisions though yeah i'm by no means saying that everything is 100 percent black and white yeah but more often than now, there's data to small decisions like, oh, well, I couldn't do this because I had to do this. Yeah, there you or, go. Yeah, I yeah, felt yeah. like I needed to do this. And more often than not, um, more than that, we, we still have that decision, but we make it, we make it seem like there's no decision to be made. 
I think for me too, coming back to a lot of these things where we feel like we force ourselves into a corner. I remember like there's always that phrase that I've always used like if you back a dog deep enough into a corner, eventually the dog's gonna bite. Um, like you put yourself in like a corner, you feel like you have no escape, and so you act irrationally, which I think oftentimes is again comes from this lie of one thinking that there is no way out that we're trapped. I remember having a very long conversation with Father Chase about this and just like how free we really are um, and how we lie to ourselves and make ourselves feel like, you know, we are trapped in a certain situation or obligation to do something or say something. Um, but even more so, I think a lot of this comes from, again, it's, it's kind of, this has always been an issue in the world, obviously. But I even think of kind of like related to today's like culture of like self-discovery and like living out like your own truth, those things and like truth kind of being subject to one another's like own thoughts and mindsets. And John, I'm gonna kind of cling to something you said earlier of like, where are we going for the truth? And there's only one source of, source of truth and that's Christ. And I think there's this temptation for us to create our own truth because that's what we're hearing in the world oftentimes. And so we can cling on to an idea both negative ideas or positive ideas, typically out of like pride either way, um, just on one side or the other of it. Um, and we can cling on to it so tightly and like be almost afraid to let go of that and to let something else be our truth because we're able to create that. We know what, we know where it's from. We can rationalize exactly the source of it. And so we're not afraid because we know everything. But in reality, letting go of that and entrusting ourselves to Christ, it's scary because there's a lot more unknown. We're not seeing everything at once because we can't comprehend that truth. And so we try to fill the gaps of that truth with our own internal personal lies that we create that can help rationalize maybe the ways that we're thinking or feeling or our fears. Um, and it's that whole idea of like, you cannot know yourself without knowing Christ. And so if we're not rooting ourselves in Christ or if we're trying to or not fully you know surrendering to that we're going to naturally start creating these lies and creating these false identities of ourselves that are just founded in you know the enemy slipping in small things at first that grow on each other I mean the feeling of thinking that no one loves you does not come all at once it comes from a very small thought of just like that person seemed annoyed by me mm. And then it grows and it grows and it grows. And now it's suddenly everyone hates me or everyone's judging me. Um, and again, like the enemy is smart with their attack. They are not wasting time. They know what they're doing. They're efficient. Um, but that's all the more reason to like keep ourselves and our own thoughts and our own ideas of ourselves, like, to hold them very lightly at times. And that's something that I have tried to be doing more is like, being generous with myself in those thoughts that are maybe negative or even the thoughts that are like very prideful and like very full of myself, like just all of those lies that I tell myself um, and just really taking time to like process through those and really trying to dive into the source. So I think if we're just thinking of like, you know, what is the truth or a lie in our life and just thinking of everything, like that can be almost like an existential crisis of like, oh, like who am I? Like in the moment when you're having those thoughts or you're having a feeling both positive and negative, like actually taking time to say, okay, what is the source of this? Like, where did this come from? And kind of tracing it back. You're either going to find it one traced back to Christ. And in that case, beautiful. You just learned some truth in you. Or 
you're going to see it trace back to some figment of your own imagination that you have created and you're going to be like, ah, well, maybe there's not as much there as I thought there was. Um, yeah, I have so many, that was just like, yeah, a little, little home run, a little, little dinger. Um, gosh, so many thoughts about that. That was so good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just like at the end there, but you said that's good discernment. Like that's what discernment looks like is where does this coming from? You know, it's not about making decisions. It's just seeing where are these thoughts, where are these feelings coming from? We were having a conversation at the, at the volleyball party that neither of you guys went to, which is really sad. John, single, I really, single, I, single, I know, I know, I know. I'm not going to shame I really you. wanted I'm to go shame on you for it, don't worry. That's all I wanted to do on my Saturday. Um, but that got, that got brought up and it was just like, it's heartbreaking to see how many people are just like, it, they don't know that. They're just, they're stuck in this, like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And it's like, no, like that's what the discernment seems like to them. It's, it's horrifying um, in their lives. And that's really sad to see. Um, so I'm glad, like, I, hopefully people can listen to this and hear like, okay, the sermon is actually not this like intense pressured thing. It's just really this going with the spirit, allowing his light to shine on where things are coming from, where are the movements. Um, okay. This is going to be like, kind of nail everything you just said, because all this stuff just sort of came together. <laughs> perfectly from what you said i was like thinking earlier today i was you know how am i going to bring all this in and then there it is michael just lobs it up yeah. so yeah. you know we don't plan anything here but the lord provides so yes um gosh there's so much let's just start with the uh hmm. dang it man there's too much um I think, okay, so I don't know where to go with it. There's, it's too much. My brain is flying like a million miles an hour and I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I think the one thing I want to say is just like that. Uh, I'm looking at this line from my, from my journal on this meditation on Holy Saturday. Um, and it's the voice of Christ. Uh, Michael, we've, we've talked about this, this homily before. I think I sent it to you guys, but it's, the, the ancient homily on Holy Saturday. Um, if you've never seen this before, it's incredible. incredible. Everyone should read this like every year on, on Holy Saturday um, or like Easter Sunday or Holy Saturday, night, whatever, but like read it around Easter time because it's just so beautiful. Um, but the experience was like, I found myself chained and like, yes, a prisoner, uh, really kind of going using that metaphor for like the lies, but like I was a prisoner in hell. And I like woke up and Christ was there. And the line in the homily is Christ saying, he's speaking to Adam at this point, but it was like, he was speaking to me and he said, I did not create you to be held a prisoner in hell. And then it says, rise, let us leave this place for you are in me and I am in you. And just like that moment of him saying, I did not create you to be held a prisoner in hell. Like he is telling me, about myself instead of this, like, you know, the self-creation and this sort of like, I make up my own truth. And that was, was, okay, there it is. You hit it like right on the head, dude. I mean, it's, we, we want to believe these lies because we can kind of formulate our own version of reality and idea and truth about ourselves from them. And that is way easier to know. And it's actually knowable because it's limited. Like we are limited and in this limitedness, I can grasp the totality of it. That's all we want to do as like persons. We have this need to grasp and to know everything, but the truth, and this is a shout out to clerically speaking the podcast, because they gave me this when I was listening to them the other day, 
is it the truth is since it's a person, that means that it's a mystery and you cannot fully know a mystery. It'll always go deeper and deeper. And this is why it's so frustrating dealing with people going back to our podcast from last summer. Like we can never fully know them and we keep trying to, and we can't really know ourselves and we keep trying to. So it's easier to come up with our own version of the truth and this lie that says this thing's like, yeah, I can, I can grasp that versus this ever expanding new, like, I don't know. I don't want to say an idea because it's not an idea. Like the truth is not just an idea. It's a person. And so it can always like grow. I don't say develop, but it can always grow. So that's really hard to deal with because as soon as you think you have it, you don't. And it keeps, it keeps surprising us. And it's really frustrating. Um, and so I get, I get why it's easier. I do it all the time with people. We come up with all the list of reasons of why this person is this way and why they do these things. And then they go ahead and do the opposite and surprise the heck out of you. You're like, well, I feel like a total jackass right now. But that's the experience of it. And it's so beautiful when Christ breaks through and says, no, I didn't create you this way. Get up and follow me. And there's just this, like, this, David, will make your thing. There's total freedom there. Like, he's offering us total freedom. But it's a freedom rooted in trust that we don't need to have it all. Because he will give us as we need until we're totally with him and in him in heaven. And he gives us the strength to do that by giving us the Eucharist. He gives us that taste of it every day where like his body is in us and we are in his body through the Eucharist. Going back to our thing on the Eucharist the other week, like he's always providing for us. So these lies, like I would just advocate for people, if you struggle with this stuff, listen to what you're saying to yourself or what you're believing. And then imagine yourself before God the Father and see like, how is he actually looking at me? Because I guarantee you, it's not that way. The way that you're talking to yourself is not the way that God looks at you. And then trust the name of Jesus actually has power, that he does show up to your, your place in hell that you find yourself in. And in the name of Jesus, he can break you free from those chains. And it's a slow thing, but like this constant rejection of saying, in the name of Jesus, I reject the lie that I am blank, or I reject the spirit of blank. Fill it in, whatever's, whatever's going on. But like, in the name of Jesus, just say it. It's really quick. It takes about a second to do. It's not hard, but it has a lot of power. And as you do that, you sort of develop a sense. And as those things come up, you go like, hang on a second. I was rejecting that earlier. That can't be right there's something off here. And that's where the good discernment comes in and becomes habitual. And after time, it just sort of like, you don't even give it a, the light of day. You're just like, you know what? Forget that. That's wrong. That's the enemy. Clear as day. I don't need to believe it. And that's where real, real healing happens through the Lord and in his light and remaining there with him. So that would be my, my encouragement. I'm encouraged. No, John, seriously, that, that, that's beautiful though. I think that is something that I really need to hear. And I'm sure a lot of, uh, a lot of people out there really need to hear as well. well. Anyways, that's, that's all I got. Unless you guys have any closing thoughts. I don't, I'm going to leave it with what you said. Good. Yeah. No, same here. <laughs> Honestly, John, I thought that was, that was awesome. And I think that's, yeah, really, really good discernment. A really good kind of like cold dose of reality. Yeah. Two books to read brothers Karamazov probably a, a a high bar one there, but uh, another easy book to read is the 10 biggest lies of the enemy. Um, it's really short. There's a lot of good scripture in there to pray with. And it really uh, dives into the psychological and spiritual 
dimensions of how these lies play out in our lives. So I would highly recommend that people, if they are looking for something to, to read and help them through uh, whatever might be going on in their, in their hearts. So, yeah. yeah thanks, John. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you for listening again. And of course, we always appreciate it. Feel free to reach out to us at thecatchcc at gmail.com if you ever have any questions or comments. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm just going to leave it there. I think that's good. So it's great talking to everyone. See you next week. Bye. Bye. See you.